0: This is the Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck and with me is, with my, I've written down, is Derek Sestero Armstrong.
1: It's not true, it's bullshit.
0: And Blake Wiseau-Curtis.
2: Um, good joke, Derek. <laughs> I got
0: nothing. Great joke, Derek. <laughs> uh, this episode is called, You're Tearing Me Apart, Derek. And that's because we're yeah. talking about... Is this about Dunkirk again? <laughs> <laughs> it's never not going to be about <laughs> Dunkirk. Um, we'll have to put... Uh, Derek's opinions of Dunkirk down to his advancing years. (laughs) Uh, And we're talking about James Franco's The Disaster Artist. Here's a synopsis that we found on the internet web. Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero become friends after meeting each other in an acting class in San Francisco. Hoping to achieve Hollywood stardom, Sestero moves to Los Angeles and signs on to appear in his buddy's project. Financed with his own money, Wise, who writes, directs and stars in The Room. A critically maligned movie that becomes a cult classic. Derek, do you want to kick it Is on? it his
1: own money? Yeah. No oh. one knows where it comes from. I like that scene where the guy looks at the bank account and says, yeah, this account's fine. You don't have to worry about it. There's no bottom to this account.
2: I've, I've wondered since like, the success of The Room whether anyone has looked into it People, yeah definitely and, and what's the result well, do
0: you know recently i was actually watching a video today of uh james franco and uh, tommy wiseau on jimmy kimmel i think so and tommy have... wiseau admitted to coming from eastern european which everyone had sort of guessed of if course yeah. it was the first time that he would actually admitted to it wow That's uh nice. yeah look
2: that, up. that sounds like an interesting thing is there <laughs> any more information
0: no, is it like uh, uh, he's pretty, pretty enigmatic.
1: Just well, like it's you, funny but, because you, yeah. just because you don't sound like you're from Louisiana doesn't mean you necessarily aren't. I'll, I'll have a quick um, uh, little anecdote here. I, a friend of uh, one of my kids' friends who have since moved away, so they probably won't be listening if they were anyway. The father, I'd known him for a year or something, not very well, and he had an Irish lilt. And I asked him where he was from. He said, oh, I'm from the States. I'm from Louisiana. And I was like, dude, that's not a Louisiana accent." And that reminded me of it from this movie. He says oh, he's yeah. from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. maybe, anyway. Oh, I think we so should probably crazy, get. Derek. It is. It's very <laughs> crazy. I think we should probably get into some substantive conversation about the quality of this film. Should we? I liked no, it. I
2: want to hear more about your kids, friends, parents.
1: You don't want to because I'm as lucky as I got that story Derek's out at all without, <laughs> <friends> <laughs> without completely botching it. <laughs> <laughs> And how was the Irish accent, by the way?
2: It was, it was not bad. Yeah. I think it was better than my
1: Tommy accent. Oh, I'm from the States. <laughs> uh, anyway. That sounds so, Scottish. Yeah, it might be. I don't know the difference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really like this film. Um, I actually have almost nothing negative to say about it, but really like is about the total extent of it for me. Um, I wouldn't say I love it, but like it's a completely charming, fun, um, heartwarming film. I just... Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's. Uh, w- w- we'll talk more in detail, obviously, but um, my impression it was very positive. So that's what? Did,
2: what did you give it out of ten? Eight. I was gonna say because that's what I find fascinating when you're yeah. like you're like oh you know I can't fault the film but also just eight you know what I mean like
1: Uh yeah well, it's like the, it's probably the best version of itself it could be I guess the the it, subject matter just what it was well no it it does appeal to me I guess I just. I guess I was expecting something sublime from it, something that would kind of really go into an unexpected place for me. And everything was fairly straightforward. I was a little bit surprised because I think of James Franco as someone who takes risks as a filmmaker. I mean, he made that adaptation, As I Lay Dying, of like... um, uh, uh, Now I'm going to forget the... William Faulkner novel.
0: He's made a couple of which is pretty much an an
1: unfilmable type film. He's done he's done a number of things like that. But James Franco didn't make that.
0: Like that was a bad movie, wasn't it? Have you seen it? It's
1: not great, but it's uh, it's 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 fine. It's yeah, it's risky. It it shows a certain artistic mindset. Mm. And I thought, um, and and maybe the subject matter was as far out as he needed to be on this particular film because the rest of it I thought was fairly straightforward in a good way. Like I I I really thought it was it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I laughed, and I thought it was. I had a lot of heart.
0: I think almost uh, considering how extreme and extraordinary the circumstances were surrounding the production of The Room and also the extraordinary figure, Tommy Wiseau, at the centre of the production, I think Franco's film doesn't have a huge amount to say about any of it, which is fine, and I agree with you. It's a a straightforward film, but I think the film might have been better if it had... uh, almost offered insight into why The Room became such a phenomenon and um, you know, it showed people laughing and ultimately cheering at the premiere of, uh, of The Room.
1: But uh, Which I actually I kind of have to wonder about that. Well, there's yeah, a couple things yeah. I wonder about that. Well, I, I
0: don't know. Yeah. I don't actually know if that uh, happened. Uh, but also I want to know why the, the, the Room became such a phenomenon. Uh, and I think the, f- the film, yeah, would have been uh, – I, I really liked it and I think I would have gotten more out of it. It had uh, something to say about any, any of it.
1: Do you know one of the reasons why I didn't think that actually happened? And maybe just my own. Sense of uh, optimism about humanity and the politeness of humanity, but would you really react that way if you knew the director was sitting in the audience with you? Yeah,
0: totally. I actually don't think the uh, the cult following of the room took off until there were these two guys living at a new university near where Tommy Wiseau uh, paid for the movie to stay in the cinemas for two weeks, so it would be eligible for um, the Academy Awards. And I think these two guys were going along every day, and then they ended up bringing all their mates along, and that sort of yeah. started the tradition of the spoon throwing at the screen. That story I just told might be completely wrong, but I think that's what. That I sounds right. Mm. Yeah,
1: Blake, so what about you? What do you think?
2: I really enjoyed it too. Um, yeah. I think I had a similar um, takeaway as you guys did in that I enjoyed it, but it didn't, you know, didn't blow my pants off or anything. And I, I wondered this about Franco and kind of his crew a little bit is whether um they are maybe not as good of filmmakers as they believe that they are i wonder if that film was directed by someone else if i would have gotten mm. more from it and maybe if the characters felt more real and had some more substance to it but i will say that in you know there were moments in this where i you know there was a, spe- a couple of specific moments where i got quite emotional and yeah. i think one of them was being like being a filmmaker i kind of understand this concept of pouring your heart and soul into something and hoping that people understand it and and like it. Well, I think that's why uh, James Franco's
0: come out and says he feels this connection with Tommy Wiseau because of that exact reason. But I also think it's kind of naff, uh, sort of um, having these uh, this successful Hollywood actor. I mean, he's making fun of Wiseau, even if it is affectionate fun. And I think even if Franco feels a connection with Wiseau, uh, he and Wiseau are pretty different. Mm. And... <laughs> Yeah, there was something kind of off about you know, the room and the disaster artist. You laugh at Wiseau, but Franco wants you to laugh at Wiseau with the disaster artist.
1: How, however, I actually disagree to some extent, which is I think the film is extremely uncynical. Like I really thought it really it it, it you you know coming in that you're going to be laughing at Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau is one of the most ridiculous public figures that, that you could be aware of in terms of his affect. I mean, he doesn't seem like a real human being. He mm. does. He see, uh, which also makes it kind of difficult to judge Franco's performance because you're not judging it against a standard of realism because Tommy Wiseau defies realism. You know, you're judging it against a standard of this outsized character. Having said that within that, I thought this film loved him. I thought this film thought he was, he's a weird dude and there's no way around that, but the film really believes in him. And it really thinks that, that, the world can't get by without people who have these impossible dreams and, and fight against them. And it's a better world for it. That was really well put. No, I really like that. But
2: I, yeah. I, I think that's a really beautiful comment you made. I just think that maybe Franco might not have been the right man for the job then because he – Franco is comedic and absurd by reputation, you know, doing stuff like the interview – Um, Pineapple Express He has an absurd nature In a lot of the characters That he plays The only one that comes to mind Where he's not really doing that Is 127 hours And so I just think that I agree with Jaws It felt like he was Making fun Uh, Maybe he should have Spent a bit more time Getting to know Tommy And trying to understand His motives behind Wanting to do the film that well, was, was just Wiseau
1: cooperative? Did he cooperate with this? I I he's in it. Who
2: I
0: who is he in it because I missed his oh, post credits. Did
1: you stick stick around? No. He has a post-credit scene where he's playing someone else and he's talking to Tommy Wiseau as played by ah. James Franco. It's not really it's just a little throwaway. It's like a Marvel Marvel yeah, post-credit yeah, sequence yes. is not much. Mm. But um I I have to assume that he I I read some original comments that he didn't believe that that the film got him correctly, which of course he's going to believe. Yeah, ha- the guy has no common sense. Basically, mm-hmm. if you're to believe, if you watch the room and say this was made by a person, that person has no common sense. My f- one of my favorite scenes in the film is the one where he repeatedly cannot laugh, cannot stop laughing at uh, yeah. story, the story. The the you know oh, oh, his girlfriend got you know he beat up his girlfriend <laughs> and ha, ha 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 and it's like he does it like four times. Mm. Yeah, I actually think he listens to what Seth Rogen's character tells him but he just doesn't get it. He doesn't connect. Yep. He can't execute well-intentioned advice. And it's not because he's like, you're wrong. It's just because he's like, I'm s- I have such little clue about human behavior that this is the only thing I can think of. Well, that's what I really liked about it is
2: it, is it felt like it felt like for me almost like an episode of Third... Because I've never seen The Room, and I still haven't. Yeah. It felt like an episode of Third Rock of the Sun where you have these aliens trying to understand what human well, nature is all totally. about. Totally, And mm. I think...
0: I uh, I had my um, uh, hesitations about James Franco's performance, but I think one thing that he did really well was uh, allow Wiseau's humanity to shine through despite his alien yep. behavior. Yeah. And I'm not even sure whether Wiseau has that humanity in real life. No, but it was a nice he, touch to the performance. I think he was beautiful. Yeah, yeah he yeah. might not, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, one of the things that, yeah, I. I thought, oh, I will compliment Franco on some of his line deliveries. Like I, I just remember this one particular line where um, he's getting, uh, Greg is getting in the car with with him about to go down to Los Angeles. She's and, crazy. And Megan Mullally comes out and, and, and speaking to the, and, and he, he says, "I'm 19, like your son," and she says, "Oh, well, I just turned 15." He says, "Happy birthday." <laughs> like perfect timing. It just like comes out and it's like, he's. I think, and in those moments, I realized that Franco's really doing something. Um, shrewd there and funny yeah. and, he, and his mannerisms were spot on I thought I think it, when he had his uh, sunglasses
0: on he really looked exactly like wise yeah. I think his eyes gave him away but um. well, what
1: about what about the, uh, uh, the the end credit split sequences I mean, oh yeah, yeah that was great like how the, the level of detail just to get the sets looking exactly mm. right to, to film everything at the, exa- the same beats and everything. it's like, Well, it either says a, a, you know?
0: a lot about the disaster artist or very little about the room.
2: <laughs> I also really liked Seth Rogen's running commentary because he was... Cr- it's like watching a, a a film with your mate on their couch and they're just cracking jokes at the film. Like Seth Rogen mm-hmm. just had constant one-liners and I was like, that is very funny and I wasn't thinking that but yeah. you've just made that situation. Like when he was just like... How can you not recognize that guy? Like yeah. I was just like, that is such a very Set, funny. little Seth word. Rogen's been quite good in a few,
0: like so I guess, guess semi dramatic roles. He was really great in um, Steve Jobs as well as a uh,
1: Steve wasn't he? he was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was great. What did you guys think of the other Franco? Dave, I, yeah. I
2: was. He acted like Dave Franco. This was yeah. one of the best things I've ever seen him do yes, because I, I didn't. Agree. I've never thought much of him. I kind of always thought that he just was riding on his brother's coattails. But he brought a real humanity to that role that I, and an empathy towards Tommy that I yes. really, really enjoyed. Like when when he was kind of on the set
1: and Tommy was like, you're the only one that cares. And he was, it did feel like he genuinely cared. What I loved about Dave Franco was that a lot of the time, especially at the beginning, he was in kind of a constant state of, what the fuck, I'm going with it. Yeah. You know, like he, he had this like grin where he was... Containing a laugh, but also like genuinely being involved in the moment mm. and saying, "This is a moment where something nutty is happening to me, but it feels right, and I'm going to go with it, and mm. I'm going to trust this crazy dude who you know climbs up on the set and screams Stella, and you know, and because I got nothing else going on, and maybe this guy is crazy
2: enough to work. You any know? Fr- any freedom, you know, that moment in the restaurant where Tommy makes him get up and perform that scene. I was like, oh wow, you are really empowering this character, and like that's a really Beautiful, touching thing, and that though they were my favourite moments of the films is like the quieter moments, like when they first rocked up to the apartment, mm-hmm. and Tommy insisted that he takes the bed, and just those little quiet moments were really quite beautiful. I felt, because it was like here were two guys who were just absolutely going for it, and they refused to take no for an answer, even though they both seem like they're talent talentless. See, I, I struggled with
0: uh, uh, Franco, Franco and Franco's Greg and Tommy's friendship. Because Tommy is just such a strange guy, I couldn't understand why anyone would just... It, di- it didn't sell Greg Sestero going along with it enough for me. Well, some
1: of it is this guy is kind of paying my way. Like, mm. I don't really... I mean... Don't kind bite of, uh, Hitching your wagon but to but a but I think they should have conveyed that enough. more then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, well, it, it, you definitely get the sense that both of them are searching for something. And, yeah. You know, and they're both extremely earnest in their own ways and they're both like they can't be anyone but who they are. See, this is what
2: I would have really liked um, this film to have done and I think it's almost a chapter they could have done after the film and it maybe I could be incorrect but I, I, there's an the Australian film that um, friends of mine actually made last year or it came out this year called um, That's Not Me and th- that film, like this film, um, explores the idea of an actor trying to, to make it um, to be successful And spoiler alert for That's Not Me, an apology. And spoiler alert for The Disaster Artist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and sorry that I'm spoiling that film, but it's about this actress um, giving up on that dream and that being okay that you're giving up on that dream. And I almost wanted that to be explored because they'd made this pinky promise and they were up against it and they were trying and I wondered at what point in their lives was the point where they were like, you know, it's just not. It's just not. Wasn't the point meant when to someone says you
1: are going to be on Malcolm in the Middle the next next week if you just keep your beard, that's the point where you give up on your. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is crazy
0: how uh, uh, they they ultimately got what they wanted, but for all the wrong reasons.
1: Yeah, but did they? I mean, have they been able to live off of the? The room makes the room? money, I think. But, yeah, yeah, but what about Greg Sestero? Have you seen him in any? Well, of he the wrote films? the book of the Disaster Artist, which okay. is the bestseller. No, it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, it's definitely true. It's uh, I was kind of thinking of another film. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw the film American Movie. Um, it's, uh, it's oh. about a guy who's this dir- directing this horror short. He's like from Minnesota. His name is Mark Borchardt and it's a doc, it's a documentary. So it's, it's real. And, uh, um, and it's, he's a Tommy Wiseau like character in the fact that he's got this long black hair and he's just a reckless dreamer and he has no talent at all. Um, but, and you could say, oh, it came good for him, but really that, that came in the version of. Oh, he appears in kind of at independent film festivals as himself, kind yep. of talking about the movie a little bit. But mm. that's it. You don't—he didn't make anything else, mm. or not much. And you know, so I wonder about Greg Sestero. I mean, Tommy Wiseau. I'm not even surprised that since The Room was a success, why didn't someone let else let Tommy Wiseau make another movie? Well, they, well, they didn't. A, apparently, yeah. they were awful. He, yeah. he was... He awful was, in, a ba- in a bad way. He was a good way. signed up for a maybe Netflix
0: or netflix esh streaming service at a TV show, and he, it was awful. Mm. But, was but a it. special
1: kind of awful, like a, a, a bad awful. This thing. was just bad awful. Dad didn't have the charm of The Room, I think. So that's the thing is you can only make The Room once. Like if Tommy Wiseau had an ounce more common sense... ...back when The Room was made... ...it would have been a bad movie that nobody saw... ...but he didn't have any idea about like what would make a good film... ...so it was a bad movie that everybody saw. Yeah, You give him a little bit more awareness of the subject matter... ...and, and how to do it and, and he just makes a bad film. And see <laughs> for know? me
2: that, that fall from grace is where the interesting part of the story is and that's the part I wanted to look at and, and explore and in credit to that's not me if you haven't seen it you should check it out that's Are what these they people really paying ex- you to plug this other <laughs> movie we're talking about the disaster uh, that's right? that, <laughs> that you should check out that film because I think it's a really fascinating thing where it's an idea that we've all we, we 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 grew up being told that we could be whatever we want to be and the result of that is stuff like the room and so it's yeah. interesting to see what happens to these individuals who
1: just keep persevering
2: like they're you know, Don Quixote. I'm sure yeah. they're
1: they're really happy that you're mentioning that's not me in the room in the same sentence. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> if you liked the room, you'll love that's not me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also I also really enjoyed some of the cameos. Um, oh I, yeah, I love the Judd Apatow scene. That's like a oh, yes. sad bookend to the first restaurant scene. Yeah um and you didn't realize it was Judd Apatow No I didn't he's, Really? which, which character really, do you know anything about him He's the one American? that 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 um, <laughs> that Tommy Wiseau approaches in the restaurant and and tries to get his, his oh, uh, yeah, deal from yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and was and he, I didn't realize he was playing himself I thought it was Judd Apatow playing a character yeah. but I, I found out from Wikipedia he was playing himself so he really laid into his. It, was, quite, there, it was it was quite yeah. funny as yeah. well
2: he's like what well, took you so long? You, you went through two acts of Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly.
1: Um, and, I, and Melanie Griffith and Sharon Stone also had just like that's right. short oh, scene yeah. each right.
2: And Zach Efron. Zach Efron was a mm. pisser.
1: I thought he was oh, very no. funny. I was going to say the opposite. Oh, get out! He, he was so he funny. He is just one giant fucking muscle now. That guy looks. The guy looks <laughs> like he's he's going to die. I like Zach Efron. I think I he's. Like Zac I, I already yeah. got some talent. Yeah. yeah. Have
0: you, did you ever see that movie, Me and Orson
2: Welles? No, but I always remember you recommended yeah. it. and yeah, always The, the, the movie it was
1: out. good. I think it was actually Richard Linklater who made that movie. Mm. And yes. Zac Efron is really good in it. I don't um, think Zac Efron's bad. I just think in this particular film, he was going for laughs that didn't come. Like I just, much prefer Josh you Hutchinson. You just called him a ball of muscle. Yeah, he looked like a gi- he looked like a giant steroid head, and he wasn't funny. You so. know, we're
0: I'm not just... the
2: superficial people on this podcast, <laughs> <of> Terry. <steroids. Can laughs> we Jackie you... Weaver. She was good,
1: it. She, she looked good. awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she was meant to look awful. <laughs> she had breast cancer, mate. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. It's something that they, that that Franco and the and the Apatow people have been exploring throughout all these movies. They're all about friendship. And this film is like really, really earnestly about friendship. I also thought it was really interesting to see it explore some themes that we've seen in other Apatow films of latent homosexuality, because that is something that you see a lot. Like Franco's always kind of doing dick jokes. and um, Well, I actually find that a problem in a lot of Apatow's movies, that homosexuality is
0: a bit of a, uh, yes. a punchline. Yeah. Which it wasn't in this. That's, a lot, that's yeah. what I liked about it. They explored
1: yeah. it seriously. Like yeah. It's that border between you have some kind of, you know, you just care about someone a lot as a friend, and yeah. uh, maybe there's something more. And there's, I think, there's a lot of male friendships that kind of do skirt the surface of that, you know. And I think mm. it's, I think there was, it was one of the first times I've seen them explore that idea in a kind of an intelligent way. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
2: and, and and that was kind of the other part that we haven't really spoken about is the. The whole subplot with the girlfriend um, and mm-hmm. how that kind of came she into... She gets a little bit of the short shrift, I think, Alison Bree. Yeah, yeah. I, think she's a, I also think she's a very good actress mm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's great, I love Alison yeah. Brie. Her in, yeah. her in Mad Men is a very underplayed, understated kind of role that she plays.
0: I think women in a lot of Jennifer Tad movies get the, uh, the short end, end of the stick. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's like, what, um, knocked up for sure. That's what she and,
1: thought. She she made a big stink about that. Did oh, she really? Right. Yeah. What's her name? Um, Stupid Warren. What is her name? Uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. But like, I think
0: fair enough. She like yeah. like I I think uh, um, uh, Knocked Up really portrays women poorly, mm. um, yeah, and yeah. so does oh that awful movie Judd Apatow made. This is forty.
1: Oh, I, I, I like that actually, oh, but you didn't like Dunkirk, so we can't yeah. trust. <laughs> <laughs> well, it always comes back. I do think it's funny. I think actually Leslie Mann, who's his wife, actually gets reasonably well served by his films. She's a star. If this is forty, and obviously, if you didn't think she was well served in that, then you disagree. But I actually think that they that he writes her really well. Like he does a good job for her. Mm. I've but, never mm. in yeah,
0: I've never really warmed to her in any of his films. Oh yeah,
2: I,
1: she's pretty nuts as well. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what where I do heard. You Have you guys what, heard that. Do you know what film they met on the set? The set of Sex time. Cable Guy. Really? Oh wow. Oh, she's he, he was a Trey. writer, a producer of Cable Guy. I can't remember which. I've got a soft and spot for Cable st- Guy. Oh, I love Cable Guy. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. Shut up. <laughs> Have out. you seen oh, anything? Silence. Do you know, know anything? Cable anything? Guy is a hidden gem. Who am I podcasting
0: with? You haven't seen Cable Guy. He doesn't like Dunkirk and loves This Is Forty. This is crazy. We need Zoe back. You guys are both (laughs) off the podcast. Um, Should we move on to our top three? Sure. All right. Who wants to go? Uh, Blakey, do you want to explain it? And Blakey, last two episodes, both me and Blakey have come prepared with our top three. Yeah. Um, Not impressed.
1: No, I said that's good. I feel (laughs) like. What what do you want from me? (laughs) I feel
2: like two ago was the one when I forgot.
0: No, last one was um, the one with two ago Zoe. was the one when you forgot. Yeah, 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 two ago, two ago, and three
2: ago. Ah, and four. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you didn't uh, like <laughs> love, you didn't <laughs> like loving Vincent anyway, so there was just enough. No? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, so this week, uh, this week, this uh, podcast, the top three is um, behind the scenes films, so scenes that feature um, behind the scenes of movies. Is that yeah, and, and I think plays was okay as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm rolling out plays.
1: Uh, <laughs> behind the scenes I of some kind screw of your top production. You couldn't even. All done, plays. Like, you probably could have done music if you wanted to, but um, yeah. I didn't know oh, that. like uh, yeah. Hustle and Flow or something like that. Uh, you know, yeah. something like that, yeah. yeah. Something like Hustle and Flow. Oh, I'll
2: put yeah. that on my <laughs> list now. I love Hustle and Flow. Oh, yeah. there goes my top three. Yeah. Uh, now, my number three is The Truman Show. Mm. Um, ah, good one. I That's really right. enjoyed watching that for the first time. And I always... some films have a scene that for whatever reason I just think about them every now and then in my daily life and I don't know why. Every now and then I think about that scene where the rain cloud... Rains mm. at one spot and not somewhere else, and I just think that's such a cool kind of little device that they used in that, yeah. um, which I really, really like. Great movie. Peter Weir needs to make more movies. Yeah, well, no. I, yeah, Peter Weir, I reckon, is awesome, and I, I like that he does one every three or four years. I think that's kind of he a, hasn't done one, one since
0: or... that the way, the way, the way back, 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 which was bad. But before said, that, yeah. I mean, he he has done
1: some seriously good good movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a big Master and Commander fan. Oh yeah, oh, I've never seen that either. Oh, man. <laughs> Master <laughs> and
2: Commander is the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, my number two and apologies. You haven't
0: seen Master and Commander. Yeah.
2: Sorry. Okay, the go, far, go. Side no, far side of the it's world. Yeah. it's a far side of the world. It's actually <laughs> funny because we went on a boat this weekend, Joser and I for a 30th, and Joser sent me that Master and Commander scene with Man Overbull because we were going out into the great that great yeah. storm that Melbourne just had. Oh, and yeah. I didn't have the heart to be like, I like the scene, but I've never seen the movie. Oh man, that's, until that's now. A <laughs> star I'm gonna have to movie. go that's check a it five out. I'll, I'll watch it again with you. I've been meaning to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up for that. I love a bit of rusty in my life too. <laughs> um, number two, and apologies if I get uh, the pronunciation wrong, is um Ducky, cynic Ducky, New York. <laughs> uh, my. Uh, film lecturer recommended this film for me to watch um, because he said there'd be a lot of similarities between this and a, and a film I made at um, film school oh, I,
1: I hope so, that would be great for you, compliment to you <laughs> and I watched it and it blew me away yes, like it's, a masterpiece.
2: it's, it's <clears throat> just it's got so many layers to it and I still don't think I understand the full extent of what that film was trying to tell I, me I need to watch that again because I have hated oh, it,
0: and well, I. Charlie Kaufman. Well, adaptation is my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about his other one? I like being John Malkovich. I, I think uh, I think Charlie Kaufman should write scripts, and Not Spike Jonze should direct them. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, vice versa. I think Spike Jonze uh, should have gotten Charlie Kaufman to write her, because I think Charlie Kaufman would have written a better script for her. Yeah. And and it's it's a real shame those two broke up. Stop hijacking. I think think Spike John's offsets um,
2: uh, Charlie Kaufman's pessimistic existentialism. Yeah. You should. Have you ever watched um, Eternal Sunshine with the uh, director-writer commentary? No. no. That's really interesting because they're both on it and Charlie doesn't say anything the entire time. And you can just sense Uh, a tension. No, but I know. But you can just sense a tension between the writer and the wow. director on that because mm. they didn't do it the way Charlie wrote it. because I re- I read the original Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind script yeah. and the ending's completely different wow. to well, the he, film. And I, he didn't make another grim. movie with Michelle Gondry after um. No. Yeah. no but no,
0: but no. I think I think that's what's so great about adaptation oh, yeah, and um and being done Melkovich is that Charlie Kaufman is naturally quite a pessimistic writer. Oh, very much so. And I think um he he labors his point when he directs his movies too much and I think Spike John's uh, sort of um elevates
2: it in terms of mood and the point is more powerful because it's not so like, uh, you know. See, for me, I agree. But for me, Anomalisa last year, that really blew me away because it had this really beautiful, subtle point that was – Yes, very sad and pessimistic, but it had an element of hope to it. I, I think he nailed that. And I, I think s- if anyone else did, it, they would have
1: gone overboard. Are we still it. on your number two? Yeah. <laughs>
2: we'll get to you, mate. We'll get to you. Yeah.
0: I want it now. Calm <laughs> down, Derek. <laughs>
1: You're always looking at the clock and being like,
0: five minutes. You got out too long. What are you doing? Can we end this podcast with that? Yeah, I think we'll only have time for you and me. <laughs>
2: uh, and my number one uh, is Hearts of Darkness. Um, that is just an... Apocalypse Now, obviously, is Apocalypse Now, but ap- bullshit. Get out of town. <laughs> I know, but like th- that. You want to see a film about filmmaking? That is the one. It seeing what Francis Ford Coppola went through to make that
1: film blows me away, and it's one of the. I know it's a documentary, but I think it counts. Oh, of course it counts. It. Yeah, no, yeah. I was gonna say that is a regret of mine. I have two regrets that are very similar films, as far as I understand them. That and Burden of Dreams, which is the making of. Um, uh, I want my
0: opera house Heaven's Gate? Oh no, no. Um, <laughs> Fitzcarraldo
1: Fitzcarraldo And I haven't seen either of those Really? Um, they were really? both for naturals for this list I've I know, never I gotta, found I a film that.
2: that I've seen that you haven't This is a whole I'm sure, that, I'm I'm sure map there's map. at least two others
1: <laughs> We'll find them
2: <laughs>
0: Alright, um, Derek, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, okay
1: So I'm, I, I actually had struggled with this a little bit um, I had a bunch of choices But not so many great ones I don't know why uh, My number three is Tropic Thunder Oh, um, sure. And oh, I, I should say, there's a little theme. I, I, each each of my choices is exploring some craft that that the, that the film specifically concentrates on. With Tropic Thunder, I thought it had a lot of uh, interesting dialogue about the craft of acting. Like there's especially in in um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, who can play so many different parts, and and his his theory on how to on how to play certain characters, and the whole the whole conversation about you don't go full retard. <laughs> a little bit offensive, but like the whole point is. This is a t- discussion about acting and then they get involved in this crazy scenario. And it has to- an awesome performance by Tom Cruise in it. After so. Magnolia, <laughs> I
2: reckon that's the best performance Tom Cruise has ever done. What else
1: is Tom Cruise good in?
2: He's uh, good,
0: he, uh, I'm a big Vanilla
2: Sky fan, so... I liked him in collateral like
0: I generally like him
1: oh yeah he's good in collateral yeah mm.
0: but I, I I generally like
1: Tom Cruise but I mean like yeah
0: ones he's really good
1: in yeah my, my number two is uh, singing in the rain which oh, is oh uh, shit a, a focus on uh, good that's focus on of, my craft time of sound fan. like that, one of the things that's so interesting about that film obviously it's uh, it's going from the from the silent to the talkie era but I also remember a lot of scenes about where the microphone being placed is such a key yeah. element in how the sound records and how that Fake starlet is like going back and forth out of uh, the out, out of, range. of the, the, the range of the microphone, and it and sounds they put all they her chest, and
2: they can hear her heartbeat and stuff. All that stuff, like
1: <coughs> um, it's. Uh, and there, I'm sure there's a lot of others in it but I was f- specifically focusing on the on the craft of sound and how the, I thought that was an interesting and you don't think that's a great spotlight onto it oh yeah it's a great film yeah. overall But and I, I think I've chosen it for another list actually but mm. but yeah and, the, and that was my focus there and then my number one is Boogie Nights oh. <laughs> Ooh, that made which my is, short list yeah which is a, um, uh, a, a focus on the craft of making porn really? <laughs> and you know, to be honest it's been 10 years since I've seen it probably maybe, maybe a little less <laughs> 10 years since you so watched so I porn. don't I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say it's been 10 minutes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I've been been watching for longer and recording this And, and and more than anything I think it's just interesting because we see behind the scenes films of so many other types of you know, making of uh, films, you know, like Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, the, the, the Hitchcock film from a few years ago. But the, you never really see, like, what goes into making a porn. And, and then subsequently there were a couple other films that did do that, but never better than Boogie Nights. And Boogie mm-hmm. Nights is just fantastic all over. Side. Yeah, it's uh, great film. I had to give it a, a shout there.
0: Yeah, Boogie Nights made my short list. Uh, I also want to shout out to Jodorowsky's Dune which was the making of a film that never got made that's, that's a fantastic which I, which
1: I also have not seen
0: oh man oh, I you're I gonna love I've that g- movie g- we found
2: a second one one to go
0: alright my number three is Contempt the Jean-Luc Godard movie mm. um, I haven't seen it good movie oh, Le Mepri. Uh yeah yes. Le Mepri. Yeah. Uh, kind of grim great soundtrack Good movie. Yeah. My number two is eight and a half. The Fellini movie. Oh uh, yeah, uh, not a N- fan. Not not nine though. Not the the remake with Daniel. I've D. never Lewis. seen
2: the remake. <laughs> I have seen nine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, I liked eight and a half the first time I saw it, and then I saw it sec- second time recently and loved it. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Fellini fan, but yeah. Well, I recently watched every single Fellini film and found half of them to be... There's about 18 and half of them are amazing and half of them are uh, unwatchable. like Some of the worst movies I've ever seen uh-huh. about Fellini. Hmm. Uh, and my number one is also Hearts of Darkness, which is like prob- maybe the best documentary I've ever seen in, and, uh, like you said, Blakey, the best um, uh, film about filmmaking. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. And an incredible I- example of art imitating life. Kind of like this podcast. Yes. (laughs) That's it. Any final thoughts on uh, the disaster artist? Derek. Oh, uh, no. No, actually. (laughs) Oh, yes. One other person I
1: wanted to mention. I, I really like the actress Ari Greener. Who, who played Lisa, or played the actress playing Lisa. Oh, yeah. um, I, anytime I see her in a film, I think she makes it better. I really, really enjoyed her performance in this.
2: Like oh, you. <clears throat> uh, I think it's worth seeing. I reckon uh, you'll have a lot of fun seeing this film. And don't be turned off if you haven't seen The Room, because I didn't. And I yeah, had what time? Was,
1: you didn't, you, did you think about trying to fit it in before? Yeah, I thought about it, but yeah. then... I don't know. I well, now you can go afterward and see it.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> I remember talking to joser about it, and Joser wasn't in love with the room, and so I was like, "All right, well, maybe How can I'll you see be this in love first with the room and and like, Yeah, like scene.
0: it's bad. I, I I struggle with the the concept of so bad it's good, and I I I actually I think it becomes something other than a film when it when you get enjoyment out of it for a different reason than the reason you normally get enjoyment out of films. Yeah. So it becomes more of an art, an art a strange abstract well, artwork well, than an actual film.
1: When I saw it I saw it at a midnight showing um in Los Angeles before leaving uh, about 4 years ago and I didn't I I enjoyed myself but I still gave it the lowest possible rating. I mean yeah. it's it's a, it's a terrible film. I'm not going to give it a higher star rating just because I had fun. You know? Well that's
0: why <laughs> I think it sort of is something other than than a movie because I also enjoyed you know, like, it's, it's such a bad movie, but I got some sort of enjoyment out of it, but yep. certainly not the same enjoyment that I yeah, usually yep. get. That's right. Um, this has been The Real Good Podcast. My name's John Roebuck. Thank you, Blake Curtis. Thank you, John Roebuck. And thank you, Derek. You're welcome. Uh, for more film stuff, go to realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's because we're clever. There'll be another episode soon. This may be our last episode of the year because right. I'm going away. And then You're always going somewhere. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. Yep. Uh but we'll we'll be back. Maybe with a Star Wars, a belated Star Wars episode, if we can be bothered. Depends how much we like it, I guess. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Depends how much we like each other in two thousand and eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone.